Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Good morning. Our scripture this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with the 17th verse. So I'm telling you this, and I insist on it in the Lord. You shouldn't live your life like the Gentiles anymore. They base their lives on pointless thinking, and they're dark in their reasoning. They are disconnected from God's life because of their ignorance and their closed hearts. They are people who lack all sense of right and wrong and who have turned themselves over to doing whatever feels good and to practicing every set of corruption along with greed. But you didn't learn that sort of thing from Christ. Since you really listened to him and you were taught how the truth is in Jesus, change the former way of life that was part of the person you once were, corrupted by deceitful desires. Instead, renew the thinking in your mind by the Spirit and clothe yourself with the new person created according to God's image in justice and true holiness. Therefore, after you have gotten rid of lying, each of you must tell the truth to your neighbor because we are parts of each other in the same body. Be angry without sinning. Don't let the sun set on your anger. Don't provide an opportunity for the devil. Thieves should no longer steal. Instead, you should go to work using your hands to do good so they'll have something to share when, with whomever is in need. Don't let any foul words come out of your mouth. Only say what is helpful when it's needed for building up the community so that it benefits those who hear what you say. Don't make the Holy Spirit of God unhappy. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Put aside all bitterness, losing your temper, anger, shouting, slander, along with every other evil. Be kind, compassionate, and forgiving each other in the same way God forgave you in Christ. Therefore, imitate God like dearly loved children. Live your life with love, following the example of Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. He was a sacrificial offering that smelled sweet to God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. You probably know the expression that imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. Have you heard that before? Imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. That means that if someone is acting like you, talking like you, behaving like you, expressing thoughts like your thoughts, that they're actually paying you a compliment because they honor and respect who you are and they want to be more like you. Imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. 
I would also argue that, that imitation is a lot of times how we learn to, to be and to do certain things. We can listen to a lecture, we can read an instruction manual, but most of us really learn to do things by watching somebody else do it. In fact, think of how often someone has said, okay, let me show you. And as they're showing you, they're explaining to you what they're doing, and they're like, okay, now you do it, and I'll watch you, right? That, that tends to be how most of us at least begin to learn by imitating what we've seen someone else do. Now, undoubtedly, no matter what it is, we develop our own, you know, flair and our own style, but most of us begin with imitation, I learned to preach by listening and watching other preachers and, and picking up on their, you know, their techniques and, and their styles and then developed it into my own style. I learned to cook in a soup kitchen in North Carolina from an old army chef. I didn't know anything about cooking, but he'd show me like, this is how you chop it up. This is how you open a can. This is how you combine ingredients. He'd show me and they're like, okay, now, now you do it. Probably you, like me, have watched countless instruction videos on YouTube, right? Now you can learn anything. Just watch the YouTube video and then go try it. And if you don't do it right, go watch the YouTube video again and try it again. Or even the Olympics this week, as I've been watching, I've wondered how many kids are are attempting dives into the swimming pool or or new tricks on their skateboard because they saw one of the medalists do it. We imitate That's what we do. That's how often we learn. But the truth is, sometimes our imitations are not entirely intentional. We often pick up mannerisms and traits and values and attitudes from the world around us, from the the media we consume, from the social group we hang out with, from our families of origin, from the culture, from the part of the country or world that we're from. We just kind of pick it up by osmosis, right? This is how you're supposed to vote. This is how you're supposed to eat. These are expressions that we use and understand hang around with a certain group of people long enough, you begin to think the way they think, dress like they dress, drive the cars they drive, decorate our house the way they decorate their house, begin to think the way they think. Sometimes we do it consciously, we imitate consciously so that we can fit in because sometimes not fitting in is uncomfortable. But oftentimes it becomes an unconscious imitation. We just pick up what's around us. One expression we use this for this is, is parroting. Have you heard that expression that someone parrots what they've seen or told? Of course, we get that from the bird, right? The parrot who can learn you know, words or expressions. The parrot doesn't know what the parrot is saying. The parrot has just learned the words that it says. Uh, You may know that I uh, am constantly looking on Craigslist and Facebook market for good deals. And you'd be amazed at what I get for free sometimes. One day I saw an ad for a parrot, the bird. But it came with, it was free, by the way. Free parrot, they're expensive. But it came with a warning. The former owner had a foul mouth and was a racist. Be warned. 
I didn't get the parrot. When I was in middle school, my best friend had a, a, an English parakeet named Turkey. Now, parakeets can learn, on average, about four or five words. But Turkey had seemingly an unlimited vocabulary. It was con- they used to keep a list, and it kept adding new words. Turkey could also ring like the telephone, bark like the dog, and laugh like my friend's mother. It also knew a wide range of the obscenities that my friend's mother said. And so anytime my parents would come to pick me up at my friend's house, I was always a little nervous about what the bird might say in front of my parents because they didn't know that my friend's mother spoke that way. A lot of us are parrots, if we're honest. We parrot back to the world ideas, thoughts, ways of being without having thoughtfully reflected on what we're saying and doing. We parrot back values and views that seem common enough but may not be who we really are called to be. Think for a moment beyond just the superficial imitating of what we see in our social environments, just the the superficial copying. If you could imitate someone for their character, for their integrity, for their innate goodness, for their respectability, their godliness, for their depth of spirituality, for their wisdom... I wonder who you would imitate. Who would you parrot? Who would you reflect? And what about them would you strive to imitate? Thomas Merton once wrote, your life is shaped by the end you live for. Your life is shaped by the end you live for. You are made in the image of what you desire. What image do you want to present to the world? Or or maybe Merton might say something like, you are made in the image of what or who you imitate. In this passage I just read from from Ephesians chapter 4, Paul wrote, be kind, compassionate, and forgiving to each other in the same way that God forgave you in Christ. In essence, imitate God. And it says it, therefore imitate God like dearly loved children. Live your life with love, following the example of Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. Did you hear it? Imitate God, follow the example of Christ. Forgive and show compassion in the same way that God did that for you. Of all the people in your life that you've imitated, and let's be honest, we all do that, have you ever considered imitating God? I mean, that is the goal of Christianity, right? That we were created in the image and likeness of God, that Christ lives within us, and that is meant to be what we bring into the world. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3.18, all of us, With unveiled faces see the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror are being transformed into the same image 
from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. Today is the second week of, a, of just a brief four-week series that we're calling The Call. And sometimes when we use that expression, the call, we mean a vocational call, the unique call, a person who's called to do something, maybe a particular job like, like ministry. But this series is, is more broad than that. It's more universal. It's more general. This is the call to all of us, everyone who is in Christ, every baptized Christian, to live a particular kind of life because Christ is in us. Again, Thomas Merton said, every baptized Christian is obliged by their baptismal promises to renounce sin, give themselves completely without compromise to Christ in order that they may fulfill their vocation, save their soul, enter into the mystery of God, and there find themselves perfectly in the light of Christ. He said, this is true for everybody. Last week, Pastor Emily talked to us about our call to community, that we are called to be part of something bigger than ourselves, that we need each other. She read from Ephesians 4.3, make an effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit with the peace that ties you together. You are one body and one spirit, just as God also called you in one hope. Today, my message is about how we are called to reflect Christ to the world, how we are called in the way we live our lives to be examples of Christ for others. It's about how we conduct ourselves. It's about how we relate to people. It's about the values, the choices, the attitudes, the words that we use that reflect Christ or not. It's about whether or not people see Christ in us or are we simply another reflection of the world around us. If we all are imitators, if we're all reflectors, what is it we are reflecting to the world? Paul in this passage obviously was particularly concerned about behaviors that he saw in the church in Ephesus. Now remember, this is, this is early Christianity. This was a baby church. These were baby Christians. Faith in Christ and living this way was new to them, whereas living as Ephesians, right, people from the city of Ephesus, they'd done their entire lives. He saw things there that he saw incompatible with followers of Christ, to be a follower of Christ. So he says in verse 17 and following, I'm telling you this and I insist on it in the Lord, you shouldn't live your life like the Gentiles anymore. He expects a change. They base their lives on pointless thinking and they're dark in their reasoning. They're disconnected from God's life because of their ignorance and their closed hearts. They are people who lack all sense of right and wrong and who've turned themselves over to doing whatever feels good and to practicing every sort of corruption along with greed. Now, now Paul uses the term Gentile. There's nothing necessarily pejorative about the word Gentile. Gentile just simply means non-Jew. So he's saying that most of the people in Ephesus weren't Jewish. They were non-Jews. There's nothing inherently bad or evil about being not Jewish, a Gentile, though you've probably heard that term used that way, that to be a Gentile is to be a, a bad, sinful person. He doesn't, he doesn't necessarily mean it in that way. What, he, what he's meaning probably is something like worldly people living worldly lives because that's what most of the Ephesians were. Ephesus, the city, 
was a worldly place. It was a, it was a port. And just imagine what, what happens in a port city with people coming in from many, you know, many days at sea, coming in from all around the world, the mixing of all kinds of ideas. This was a place of great Greek and, and Roman influence. So philosophies abounded and, and strange and different religious practices. The, the temple of the goddess Artemis, or sometimes called Diana, was there. And so there were... were unusual religious practices, at least in Paul's mind. He clearly was offended by what he saw commonly lived and practiced in in Ephesus. He expected something else from the church in Ephesus. So he says in Ephesians 4.20, you didn't learn this way of living from Christ. So change your former way of life. And he goes on to say, your former way of life was corrupted by deceitful desires. Instead, renew the thinking of your mind by the Spirit and clothe yourself with the new person created according to God's. Now, Paul goes on to tell them some specific behaviors he has concerns about. He just names them very clearly. Hey, speak the truth to each other. Quit lying to each other. You might get angry sometimes, but don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't, don't let anger lead you to sin. And those of you that haven't been working, stop stealing from each other. Go get a, go get a job. And say helpful things to each other. Quit using such foul language. He says in verse 31, put aside bitterness, losing your temper, anger, shouting, slander, along with every other evil. Be kind compassionate and forgiving to each other. Now, these aren't just random concerns of Paul. He, he must have observed these behaviors. In fact, when we read some of his other letters, he addresses other concerns like, like idolatry, witchcraft, drunkenness, sexual immorality, infighting. When he saw a behavior he saw unchristlike in a church, he wrote them a letter and told them, cut it out. That is unbecoming of a Christ follower. I wonder if Paul were to write a letter to First Church Orlando, living in the culture of Orlando, I wonder what kind of letter he might address to us. Say, I'm I'm a little concerned about the way you're reflecting these things. Now, Now, let's be clear. Paul was no legalist. Paul had no interest in just creating long lists of rules of do's and don'ts. That's not what he was about. In fact, his core theological conviction was that because of the grace of Christ, there is freedom. He says, when Christ has set you free, you are free indeed. He wasn't concerned about making rules. He was concerned about how we reflect Christ with our lives. He he knew that we're saved by grace, not by works. But for Paul, there were two things that were at stake. One is our witness to the world. What does the world see when they hear us and watch us? And two, are each of us individually becoming the men and women God made us to be and enables us to be by God's Spirit? That when we act like Gentiles, we are not showing the world what is possible about who we can be and become in Christ. Diana Butler Bass writes, there is some good in all of us, however wounded, however damaged, however obscured, an intuition, a whisper, 
a memory of some other way of being. Sin is not our nature. Rather, goodness is. I think Paul would agree. So for Paul, there's only one logical alternative. You were Gentiles before. You're surrounded by Gentiles now. The easy thing is to keep acting like you used to act, keep acting like the world around you. Don't do that. Instead, imitate God. The easy thing is to imitate the world around you. Do what you're called to do. Imitate God. Ephesians 4.32, imitate God like dearly loved children. Live your life with love, following the example of Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. Those two phrases, imitate God, follow the example of Christ. Imitate God, follow the example of Christ. He says something similar to the Philippians. Adopt the attitude that was in Christ. In essence, imitate it until it becomes part of who you are. And of course, Paul didn't make this up. This wasn't just Paul's theology. This starts with God all the way back in the Old Testament when when the Israelites are, are leaving slavery in Egypt, heading to the promised land, learning what it means to be God's people. God says, you must be holy because I am holy. In essence, God is saying, you are my reflection to the world. Imitate me to the world, but be who I created you to be. This is your calling. Now here's where I think a lot of Christianity has fallen short in this. Either we just simply reflect the culture around us, or we create long lists of rules about how we're supposed to behave. It just becomes a, a legalism. But I think if you read scripture carefully, there's a, there's a wonderful spiritual irony in all of this. That imitating God doesn't have to make us uncomfortably religious. It doesn't have to make us phony. It doesn't have to make us overtly pious. It doesn't have to make us odd or weird. In fact, it's just the opposite. That the irony is, spiritually, that we become most authentically like God. We reflect God most authentically when we're most true to who we already are. Who God made us to be. When we can set ourselves free from listening to those voices in the world around us telling us about who we're supposed to be or what the world approves of and start listening to God about who we've always been. This is a work of grace. It's inviting God into us to make us who God always meant us to be. It's less about what we do and more about what God does. It's less about taking on new roles and responsibilities and more letting go what we don't need to do. It's less about achieving and more about being and becoming. It's not about acting. It's simply about being authentic. It's about letting the layers of our false narratives go. It's like peeling back the onion, right, to reveal what's already to within us. It's letting some things die so that new things can be born in their place. It's about letting go of lies so that we can embrace the truth. It's about imitating the God who already lives inside of you. One of my favorite authors is Richard Rohr. 
he wrote a book called The Immortal Diamond. And that immortal diamond is, is what he uses to describe the innate goodness in us that's there because God made us in God's image. And that immortal diamond often gets covered by all these ideas, these imitations of what the world tells us to be. He encourages us to find that diamond within us. He says this, my only job and yours too is to imitate God. And if God has given such grace and given life so abundantly and so broadly, then who am I to stand in the way? The best any of us can do is to back up what is already and obviously happening. Perfect spirituality is just to imitate God. Perfect spirituality is just to imitate God. Who are you imitating? Let's pray. So God, peel back the layers, would you? Show us what's already true about ourselves. Reveal yourself within us. Help us to be what we already are. Help us to discover what is already true. Help us to imitate you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.